Welcome to the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show, the program that shines a spotlight on positive real estate development and neighborhood revitalization in the city of brotherly love. Coming to you live from the G-Town Radio Studio on Maplewood Mall in Germantown. Here's your host, Alina DeLisser. Well, hello, 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 and welcome to the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show. So today we've got really, really exciting news. Back in the studio with us today is friend of the podcast, Ken Weinstein of Philly Office Retail, and he's also the founder of the Jumpstart Germantown program. And uh, we've got some really exciting news. 2020 marks a very special anniversary for Jumpstart, and uh I'm glad that Ken's here to help me make this grand announcement. Thanks for having me, Elena. So, so Ken, as I was saying, 2020 is a, a major anniversary for the Jumpstart program. It marks five years since the, the launch of the program when you started it in your conference room at Philly office, the old Philly Actually, office. Actually, it started in my office. In your office yes. office. Yes, okay. with two mentees at my desk. Wow. Yes. So, and it's, it's exploded. It's grown dramatically. Um, what numbers are you up to now in terms of graduates? As of uh, yesterday, we have graduated 755 people just through Jumpstart Germantown. Wow. And the program has now has multiple affiliates across the city. Yes. Correct? We have six additional affiliates in Kensington, Tioga, North, uh, North Philly West, West, Southwest, and uh, Hunting Park. Did you mention Kensington? I did. Okay, great. I was uh, Kensington was our first one. Okay. Jumpstart Kensington. Okay, great. So the only neighborhoods you haven't covered yet are uh, South Philly. Um, yeah, we're we're focusing or trying to focus on Philly's middle neighborhoods. Um, the hot neighborhoods would be hard for a Jumpstart program because they are beyond. Um, where there is opportunities for right. our jump starters. Right. So Ken, when you started the program, I know a lot of people listening to the to the show and um, listening to us right now are familiar with the origins, but let's just kind of fill in some of the background in terms of how the Jumpstart program started. Yeah, we started, like I said, five years ago in my office with two mentees, uh, Bruce and Nancy. Uh, who were uh, brave enough to uh, sit with me for several hours and uh, listen to my stories and help me develop the curriculum, which then led to our first class five years ago uh, with 10 people in our conference room. Yeah, I was in, I was in that class. Oh, okay, yeah, right, right. Class. You're in our first right. class, that's right. But Ken, it started because a lot of people used to approach you and say, hey, can I pick your brain? Can I buy you coffee? Can I take you out for lunch? And you're like, I don't have enough hours in the day <laughs> to meet individually with people. Yeah, I think it's true probably in any profession, you know, that you have people who are coming up in that profession and would like to meet with someone more experienced and be mentored and 
And most people say yes, you know, you want to pay it forward. And I did that for many, many years. I've been developing over 30 years now. And at some point, it became really hot and heavy. And uh, I was getting overwhelmed with uh, people wanting to get into real estate development, uh, uh, sharing my passion for blight removal, trying to create a nest egg for them and their families. And it just became too much. And I I thought, at the same time, I'm thinking, well, if I sit down with someone for an hour, tell them how I got started and encourage them to get into the business, what am I really doing for them? Why not start saying no to people and uh, instead put together a 12-hour curriculum and give them a mentor at the end of that 12 hours? So that's exactly what we did. What makes Jumpstart different is it's very holistic. You have the training, you have the mentoring, and then there is an on-ramp to getting initial financing. Can you talk a little bit about that model? Yeah, we uh, teach what we call the seven jump steps of real estate development. But to me, that's not enough because I think a lot of these boot camps, uh, while maybe good, um, they jump right into how to source your first property. But we take a step back and we spend the first two, three hours on devising your strategy. What's your niche? What do you want to get into? What's your passion? How to prepare before you source properties, putting your team together, all those kind of things. And I think that gives people a head start. Not to mention, we are only charging $100 for our 12-hour program. And uh, some of the, again, some of these other programs might be good, boot camps, um, but they're charging thousands of dollars. Right, right. Um, and uh, we are taking $80 of the $100 you pay, and we are giving that back to uh, one of several real estate nonprofits in the city. That's great. That's great. So, so Ken, basically what happened last year, and um, no, yeah, I believe it was last year, January of 2019, you were doing um, a Jumpstart networking event, and you, you announced oh, we're going to be expanding the Jumpstart concept, um, uh, maybe commercial real estate, and everybody kind of like, oh, great, 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 great. So then about six months after that, about June of 2019, when you came on the show to talk about Wayne Junction, um, I had you on the show, and at the end, off air, I said, oh, you know, uh, what happened with the commercial real estate idea, the expansion of Jumpstart to commercial real estate? That's the announcement, folks. They're expanding <laughs> Jumpstart, the Jumpstart model to commercial real estate. And I said to you, I said, hey, Ken, what's, is that going to happen? And you're like, yeah, 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 it's going to happen. It's going to happen. But, but I got a lot. I got a lot going on right now. So I said, okay, well, I'd be happy to pitch in once you're ready to, to start talking about it and, you know, volunteer. And you said to me, that sounds good. Put together an outline. <laughs> put together an outline and let's, and let's talk. Let's see what we can, we can, we can, we can put together. So, um, so here we are. So, yeah. So Jumpstart 2.0 commercial real estate is here. And it is expanding the Jumpstart training model, moving from the residential single-family house model to now delving into uh, commercial real estate and uh, reducing blight along a lot of the commercial corridors in some of these middle neighborhoods that, that Ken was talking about. So, Ken, why, why is now a good time, do you think, to expand the, the franchise? 
to commercial real estate. Well, firstly, I want to really thank you for taking this on because it was pretty wonderful when you took on (laughs) this radio program. And I know a lot of people have listened either live or when we turn it into podcasts. Um, And that's been pretty tremendous. But this is going to take us to another level. And so thank you for taking this on. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, it's really happening because you said yes to this. Um, But why is this happening right now? This is something I, I have to say I envisioned five years ago. Everyone should start in residential real estate just as I did, just as almost all the other mentors did, because it is a more simple way of learning Uh, It's something you have to get under your belts before you can move on to the more sophisticated type of real estate, which is commercial. Uh, It took me about 10 years to make that switch from residential to to, uh, uh, commercial. Not everyone's as slow as I am, so some people (laughs) may may, uh, make that happen faster. And then some people will choose, like some of our mentors, to never move on and just stick with residential Mm -hmm. uh, because it's been good to them, and that's great too. Um, But five years ago, I knew that I wanted to start this Jumpstart program for residential developers. And then at, at, at a time when people had the opportunity to get 10, 20 properties done and under their belt, then they can move on to commercial. And that's where we are today. Okay, great. So we're talking about a seven week curriculum. And the decision was made to make it longer than the residential because there really are some unique aspects to commercial real estate that don't exist or don't exist at the same scale that they do in residential um, real estate. So, uh, you know, let's kind of walk through what we have in mind. Um, like I said, it's going to be seven weeks. It's going to be at the Jumpstart co-working uh, space on Germantown Avenue. And we're looking at starting in the middle of March. Uh, right now, we're looking at launching on Wednesday, March 18th. And week number one is going to be Ken. Ken, you're on deck. You're going to be uh, giving us a, an overview of the uh, – well, first of all, you're going to kind of level set the Jumpstart ethos and make sure that we start off knowing um, that there's more to this than just getting deals under our belt, that it's about having a social impact um, on our local neighborhoods, right? right. That's really yeah. important. Right. Not everybody who goes through Jumpstart 2.0 will have gone through – uh, the regular jump start. So, yeah, we will start from the beginning, look at the bigger picture, talk about the three initiatives that make up uh, the jump start program, and also talk about the philosophy. Why are we doing what we're doing? Because it's not just about going out there, uh, single bottom line, making money. It's a but much bigger picture. Right, right. And one thing I forgot to, to mention is that this is going to be uh, for people that are looking to do commercial real estate across the city of Philadelphia. We're not restricting this just to certain neighborhoods. Can you talk a little bit about why the decision was made to make this more of a citywide uh, venture versus just the neighborhood-specific model that you've used for a single family? I think part of that is there's not enough commercial real estate opportunities in any one given neighborhood. So you really have to spread it out over a much larger area. Sure, you could have done Northwest Philly and Northeast Philly and and, and divide up the city that way. But it makes a lot of sense to just look at it citywide and let people uh, who go through the program choose the commercial corridor of their liking. Right. So before we delve deeper into the to the content, into the curriculum, let's talk a little bit more about who we're looking for to participate in the program for this. It's almost like a pilot, like this pilot class. 
Yeah, it reminds me the of beta. where we were five years ago, right, in the conference room. But uh, we are going to limit the class, uh, at least for the first class, to 15 participants. We're looking for people who have done at least 10 buy and rehabs uh, with residential so that we can uh, uh, talk to people at a much higher level um, and they'll have a basic understanding before they go into the class. Right. So I know that some of the uh, community partners and uh, people in, around the city that we talked to last summer, uh, one group in particular, which we're not going to mention by name, but we're kind of wanting to encourage us to consider the accidental landlord. So basically the small business owner who you know, ended up owning commercial real estate and we got feedback, initial feedback, that we should include them or that profile, that user profile, as a participant base for this program. But you felt really strongly that that would kind of muddy the waters a little bit by bringing in that that population. Yeah, I think there's a couple things. One is uh, I encourage people who are currently leasing their own commercial properties to potentially buy their property. That's awesome. But a couple things. One is, again, if we're going to teach this at a higher level, it's hard to talk to people who have never done anything in real estate development uh, next to the person who has done 20 houses. It's hard to speak to both people at once. And secondly, while I appreciate um, people who want to buy their leased properties, um, they're only going to do one project. And ideally, I would like to see people going through this uh, project to do this uh, hopefully full time and and be able to produce several projects a year and really turn around our commercial corridors. Okay, so um, going back to the curriculum, so in week one we're going to have the kickoff, the introduction to commercial real estate. Uh, we're going to talk about what are the different commercial real estate asset classes. So you know when you think about single family residential, you're pretty much thinking about um, a house or maybe a triplex um, or a duplex. But um, with commercial real estate, there's so many different uh, asset classes within commercial real estate. So we've got multifamily, we've got mixed use, office, retail, um, hospitality, such as restaurants and bars, um, small hotels, industrial, which is a really hot area right now, mm-hmm. um, and some, some neighborhoods here in Philadelphia. And then specialty, um, such as self-storage, senior housing, student housing, the list can go on and on. So, Ken, what do you think is – where do you see the opportunity potentially for graduates of the Jumpstart 2.0 training? Which one of these sectors do you think there might be more opportunity than others, particularly for the – for the new developer. Do I get all of the above? At oh, the okay. Okay. <laughs> no, it really depends what people want to go into. Uh, just as an example, um, as you know, I'm, I'm in the restaurant business and have been since 1996 when I opened my first restaurant. And because of that, I'm able to talk restaurant with potential tenants. So as a result, we have uh, a whole lot of coffee, coffee shops and, and restaurants and, and food establishments in our portfolio. So the next uh, person going through Jumpstart 2.0 may not have that because they don't know how to attract that restaurant tenant. They don't know how to build out their space. You know, so in that now they may have an experience in senior housing or student housing. Maybe they just graduated on the last few years from college and feel connected to that student housing market. So that might be a direction they go in. So everyone has their own niche that they want to follow. 
Um, ideally, people coming out of 2.0, just like coming out of Jumpstart Germantown, should start smaller, right? So what would make a lot of sense is a mixed-use property uh, along a commercial corridor, you know, maybe a 1,500-square-foot storefront, a couple apartments above. That would be a good place to start. They, they shouldn't get started with buying a, a 60,000-square-foot uh, uh vacant deteriorated uh blighted uh industrial site you right. know and and doing an adaptive reuse into into something else that'll come right uh that took me 10 plus years to sort of get into the larger properties okay with the jumpstart training model uh ken is really big on bringing in outside professionals outside practitioners people who are doing it now unlike some other real estate training workshops that you might hear about uh, it's typically one or two uh, you know guru types and they do all the, the education is from their perspective and so what i really love about partnering with ken on a training program like this is ken's openness and willingness to have outside speakers come in and share their their knowledge and Ken, that's really important to you as well, too, because it's it's not you up there every week preaching the gospel. Oh, to- thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know everything. Uh, and there's a lot of people in this city with a lot of expertise. And to be honest, I learn from each of them, which is kind of cool. That's great. So also in week one, we're hoping, and actually, we do have confirmed um, Kevin Gillen, uh, an economist from Drexel University. I'm a big fan. Yeah, he's great. So we're going to bring him in. He's going to kind of set the macroeconomic uh, landscape for us. We're also hoping to bring in some commercial real estate brokers, uh, people that really know intimately what is happening on a neighborhood level in some terms of some of the emerging trends. And then it looks like we have Mike Stanton and Rodney Ross coming in. Yeah. So and as we go further into the curriculum, the following week, we're hoping to bring in Mike Stanton. Actually, he's confirmed uh, from the Howe Group. And Mike has Mike works really, really closely with Gary Jonas, which is fabulous. And who I, used to be a mentor in the program. Yep. Right. And the How Group for anybody here listening in Philadelphia, you have seen their signs all over the city. Um, but they are doing some very exciting and interesting uh, new construction uh, projects in different neighborhoods across the city. And uh, Rodney Ross was on the podcast a couple of months ago. He's a really interesting guy. He is a Keller Williams agent, but he was um, he partnered with two other um, uh, friends of his, and they were successful in getting the 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 nod to redevelop the 36 homes that were destroyed in the 1980s move bombing. So he's going to come and talk about this project called Osage Pine, and it, it's it's pretty fabulous. So we're going to have. Um, a different set of uh, practitioners who are at different levels of experience coming in and talking about their development strategies, building your team, new construction versus rehab, adaptive reuse, what to look for. Uh, Ken, can you explain what we mean when we say adaptive reuse? Because there might be some people that don't know what that that term means. Sure. I I love adaptive reuse because it really gets your creative juices going. Um, But it's really taking a property. It could be a church, could be a factory building. A school. School, absolutely. Um, Yeah, I've done a few of those. Um, And making it into something else. It's that simple. Um, But there are a lot of unique challenges with adaptive reuse because you are not putting in the original usage into the property, and therefore you have to rethink 
the code issues and rethink uh, the egress issues and, and, and that sort of thing. So sometimes it works well right. and sometimes it doesn't. So our latest project, which I'm really excited about, is taking a former pencil factory, the Bladsell Pencil Factory in Wayne Junction, and we just made it into offices, Deke's Barbecue, and Attic Brewing. Okay. And that's uh, an example of adaptive reuse. So yeah, so typically, particularly here in the Northeast in Philadelphia, we're really talking about an extreme makeover for buildings that were probably might have been built a century ago and so but more or more and and so in a lot of cases you know fortunately we live in a time where our society does enjoy and just does like that old historic look on the outside but the inside the guts of the building the hvac the plumbing all that's the windows (laughs) all of that needs to be brought up to you know 21st century uh, standards and so that's where it, there's this challenge that on the outside it looks like it's been you know it's brand new from when it was built back in the 1900s but on the inside it's got all the modern day amenities that people demand right right and and very often these properties have environmental concerns um, they have historic restrictions um, it, it, it's an interesting uh, type of real estate development right so we're going to have people talking about adaptive reuse. We're going to talk very important about how to mitigate risk, you know, and how to add value to a property. Um, and obviously, we're going to have um, uh, people talk about how to properly source commercial real estate. So we've got Ryan Spack coming in, and Ryan is a big friend to the Jumpstart community. Can you talk a little bit about uh, Ryan? Yeah, I met Ryan through Jumpstart when he came to speak to a developer's network several years ago. And he is, in my mind, still the best in the city at sourcing properties. He's very hands-on. He's very grassroots. um, And for the past, I think, four years, he has taught sourcing properties to my Jumpstarters. And in commercial real estate, sourcing of properties becomes even more important than on single family, wouldn't you say? Because it, it's really, there's a lot of off-market activity that happens right. in the commercial realm. Right. Again, as, as mentioned before, you got to be more sophisticated if you're in commercial. You have to know what you're looking at. You have to know uh, the price per square foot that you want to be paying. You got to know how to quantify all these risks, environmental, historic, egress, code. Uh, you have to figure out how to maneuver all this stuff. And that's all new. That's o- all over and above what you learn for residential. But the exciting thing with commercial real estate, what did you say, Ken, is that it, if you get your first deal under your belt and you, you're successful with it, the the floodgates open. Yeah. I yeah. mean, people people like a winner. Yeah, it's right? amazing. It's amazing how that happens. So funny that you say that because last night I was just thinking back to my first property, 73 East Philolina Street, and it took me, as jump starters know, it took me a year to source that property. And last night at a, uh, a post-holiday party, I ran into Paul Walsh uh, from Elfont Wissick and Realtors, who sold me my second property. And he reminded me that like I was ready to go at that point. The second one came quick. The third one came even quicker. And it is amazing how it snowballs and you get that confidence and, and then properties just start coming to you. Right. And it's, I think it's because people can see um, the body of work and people know what it took to get that deal across the finish line and to make it a success. But particularly the... 
um, the property managers, uh, real estate agents, um, you know, the brokers, they like associating with a winner because if they know that they've got a developer who can get that transaction over the finish line, then, you know, finding they'll they'll become your um, one of your resources to to source off market deals. We, We call it ready, willing and able buyers. That's what sellers are looking for. That's what real estate brokers are looking for. So we're going to also spend a significant amount of time right now. It's looking like it's going to be week three, which will be April 1st, Wednesday, April 1st, really kind of delving into the importance of due diligence and all aspects of due diligence. I think a lot of times when people think of due diligence, particularly in the single family realm, they're thinking of, oh, okay, how old is the roof? Um, You know, is there a knob and tube wiring in the house? But in commercial, really, really need to uh, do your due diligence on all levels. Um, I I believe, you know, starting with the paperwork in terms of what is the seller telling you is this property about in terms of um, the the leases, the rent rolls, um, how much money is legitimately coming if it's a property that's already occupied. So we're going to go into uh, how to do due diligence on the paperwork, um, what the seller is telling you, and then we're also going to spend a significant amount of time about the physical due diligence, structural due diligence, environmental. Can you touch about, upon that a little bit, the importance of making sure there are no skeletons in that closet? So to me, you know, it's hard to describe this as exciting, but to me, this is at least my competitive advantage. People are like, how do you source properties and, and how do you pay so little for them? Nobody else is interested in the stuff we're interested in. Why? Because there's scary, scary. things. It's yeah. scary. Yeah. yeah, they're scary. But I'm not scared by environmental. Where the wild things are. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm not scared by something like environmental because I have a good consultant who can quantify my risk, and then it's no longer scary. But it's amazing how many people that scares off and they aren't interested in sourcing right. those properties. Right. And you know, this raises another interesting point, kind of like a parallel to the stock market. You know, you've got people that are penny stock investors and uh, a lot of penny stocks don't go anywhere. They remain penny stocks. But the interesting thing and the great thing about real estate is, as Ken said, if you know what you're doing, if you know what you're looking for, if you know how to suss out um, certain details – like a detective, going into the transaction, um, they're not going to be blind spots. You, yep. you've already raised the, the ghosts, uh, the skeletons. You've already um, you know, dug out the skeletons out of the closet, and so you're not going into the transaction blind. I think a lot of people, particularly people that are novices, think the most important thing is to get that deal under contract, and after closing, we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll, we'll just figure out. We'll just throw money at it. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. It, it can't be that bad. <laughs> it can't be that bad what we don't know. Right. Well, the good thing about uh, commercial real estate is you have a little more time to do your due diligence. In residential, everything moves so fast. If you get five days, you're lucky. In commercial, you can easily get 30 days. And what will 30 days do you? 30 days will give you more time to analyze your leases uh, to make sure that they are the same as what the brokers are saying they are, which is a major issue. Uh, you have 30 days to do a phase one and potentially a limited phase two to check out if underground tanks are leaking or 
what uh, how much asbestos is in the building. Uh, you can also check out the structural. You can look a little more deeply at code issues. So there is more time, but you need to dig, of course, a lot deeper in commercial. But so, we have, uh, I'm really excited because we have three of my uh, consultants coming who help me with due diligence. Andy Miller, uh, who's our environmental consultant, uh, John Grisbacher, who is our structural engineer, and Jim Cassidy, uh, who's one of our architects. Great. So, Ken, there's something I wanted to ask you about. You know, obviously, this is really going to target a lot of the commercial quarters through a lot of uh, the neighborhoods in Philadelphia that might be at different levels of distress, let's say. Um, <clears throat> how much can Jumpstart really affect when there are some really broader macro issues as to why some of these commercial corridors are struggling? I mean, when I think about the, you know, the rise of, of Amazon and you know, the, just the way in which people shop has, is changing dramatically. Um, the way in which people want to access services, um, you know, bring it to me versus me going to to the merchant. Mm -hmm. So how much how much can Jumpstart really effectively um, impact with some of these commercial uh, corridors in in the city? Well, I'll be honest, you're, you're right. It's limited. Um, we can focus on physical buildings and make them better, which will then bring in ultimately better tenants. But, you know, can we have an impact on Amazon taking away customers from commercial corridors? Of course not. Can we have an influence on how clean the commercial corridor is or um, whether it feels safe for people to shop there? Yes, because if you are going to get involved with a commercial corridor and improve the buildings on that corridor, you should also be involved with potentially starting a business improvement district in that area. You should be involved with the local uh, community development corporation, uh, nearby residents to try to better that community, which only will better your properties. And that segues over to what we're going to be covering, I believe, in week, let's see, let me look at my list. It's actually going to be week five. We're going to have a very robust conversation with um, uh, community groups. We're going to talk to some of the local CDCs. Uh, right now, we've got confirmed um, Job... Iskovitz. Iskovitz from Old City. <laughs> yeah, Joe, Job is great. He's been around the city. He's worked in City Hall, uh, but currently he's heading up Old City uh, bid. Which is a which is a great um, business district. Yeah, they've really made a lot of great improvements there, and the experiences that he has had can be applied to other business districts. Okay, great. And then we're also going to have um, a couple of people from Shift Capital in Kensington. They are the uh, they run the Jumpstart Kensington program, but they also have a very very good relationship with um, I believe Impact Services in Kensington, and that's a completely different vibe from Old City. So we're really going to get a fascinating cross-section, um, very excellent neighborhood representation, and it's going to be talking about how developers should be working in partnership, collaborating with community groups, how to communicate with community groups. Because here's the thing. I mean, there's a lot of distrust. Uh, there's a lot of anxiety about a lot of the development that's happening across the city. And I think once people realize... Um, more about the people, the developers that are coming in. Obviously, not everybody has the same 
um, intention or, you know, spirit of camaraderie. But I think this is going to be, I think this is another thing that sets apart the jumpstart training is that, uh, can you always look for opportunities to cross collaborate and not have it just be in this vacuum of real, real estate development. I think the point here is that you, when you're doing real estate development, you can't put your blinders on. You need to keep your eyes open. You need to work with other people. You need to encourage other investors to come in. This is not fighting over a piece of the pie. This is expanding the pie, as we always say in Jumpstart. Excellent point. So in week four, week four, we're going to be talking, we're going to start talking about uh, raising capital, uh, basically money, 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 money. <laughs> so we're going to have, right now we're still working on the panelists for that, but we're going to try to get a good cross section of people who can, uh, experts um, who can talk about how lenders underwrite commercial loans. Um, we're going to talk about mezzanine lenders and other hybrid sources of capital. We're going to talk about how to attract investors because the exciting thing with commercial real estate is that it opens up a whole new realm of capital. It's not just about <laughs> one individual filing their, you know, their income tax return and their financial statement with the bank. It's about pooling money with other investors, doing a syndication, um, using self-directed IRAs. I mean, there's a whole new world that opens up. So we're going to have, we're going to delve very deeply into all different aspects of raising money. And then we're going to also spend some time uh, on the following week in week five, uh, creative financing. Um, We're going to talk about tax credits, um, SBA loans. Um, There are a whole realm of public private resources out there. Correct. Crowdfunding. Crowdfunding which is very exciting. Yeah. Um, and, and, and this is, by the way, an area where Jumpstart 2.0 is going to be very different than Jumpstart Germantown training program because in Jumpstart Germantown, I spend a lot of time with the mentees talking about how to make yourself look like an experienced developer because banks don't want to lend to newbie developers. They don't want to lend to aspiring developers. They want people with a track record. Well, now with Jumpstart 2.0, we're going to be teaching a group of people who have at least 10 properties under their belt. So they're already being taken seriously by the banks. And, and to be honest, if you have a good track record and you have a project that makes sense financially, there's an unlimited amount of capital that you can raise. Yeah. Actually, it might be harder to find deals than yes. to raise the money. That's right. Particularly in this market. That's right. Right? So speaking of the current market, what, what's your take on how we're doing economically in Philadelphia? I mean, do you feel like we're at the peak as it pertains to, to real estate? Or what's your take on it? I'm really excited where we are. You know, I've been... Uh, in the city since uh, mid-late 80s, and it's such a change. It's unbelievable. I remember the restaurant revolution that hit the city in the early 90s when I was working in City Hall. And uh, and then, really, we came out of the recession stronger than ever. And so I'm encouraged. Obviously, there's a lot of things that need to be managed, right, uh, because we don't want gentrification to be running rampant. But I love that property values have gotten to a level where it is worth it to renovate almost anywhere in the city. And that certainly wasn't true even three years ago. Okay. That's exciting. So 
Um, we're also going to be bringing in, and we just got confirmation of this yesterday, we're going to be bringing in David Perry, who is the head of Philadelphia L&I. And that's like a huge, a big deal, I think. So excited. Him. Yeah, very excited. He's great. He's been a change agent down at L&I. And uh, not only did he say yes to Jumpstart 2.0, but then he emailed me back and said, I would really like to address on a regular basis your Jumpstart Germantowners. Um, because to be honest, he has concerns um, about people not correctly underpinning uh, the structures in the basements when they dig out the basements and to make a higher ceiling. Um, and they're concerned that, that it's going to lead to some very dangerous situations. So I, I, I was touched that he uh, agreed to take the time four times a year to address our, our jump starters. And uh, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's going to be great. And I think that'll be a, a great compliment to the structural uh, conversation that we'll have with your architect. Yes. So let's see. So moving on. So then in week six, we're going to go uh, on a property tour, hopefully. Yes. Uh, the idea is to look at possibly three projects, hopefully in, in Wayne Junction, or we don't know yet, right? We don't know. Uh, okay. Wayne Junction would make sense because the idea here um, is to have three projects in three different phases of construction. So that could mean uh, going to different parts of Germantown, but we have so many projects going on right now, and I look forward to showing them off. Okay. But, right, we're thinking of one currently for sale, or possibly, uh, one under renovation, and then one that's com completed and is in the process of leasing, mm -hmm. leasing up. Okay. Sounds good. So then in the final week, we're going to have um, – we're going to have people coming in to talk about marketing, leasing, and managing. And this is going to be really, really important because this is basically what happens next, right? So you get the deal. You get the deal across the finish line. Um, now the real hard work starts, right? So the first 180 days, how to hit the ground running after you close the deal. Um, commercial leases, how they're different from residential. Asset management and property management. Can talk a little bit about that because that's something – that some people in the single family, um, you know, single uh, residential, think is one and the same, that asset management and property management is the same thing, but it's mm -hmm. not. Mm -hmm. So can you talk a little bit about how it's different in the commercial realm? Yeah. I, you know, people have to decide whether they're going to hold on to their properties or sell their properties and, you know, who's going to manage it and is it in-house, is it out-of-house um, you know, there's a lot of decisions to be made, and it's right. again much more sophisticated than and the so the, residential. But the opportunity to get professional management, yes. Now we're moving from the mom and pop. That's right. You know. That's right. You know, answering the calls at two a.m. on Christmas. <laughs> no more. Versus, no, more no more versus having a professional property yeah. manager. And now you can afford to have uh, people on call twenty four seven, which is what we do at Philly Office Retail. Um, but yeah, it, it, it is a different level of, of management and your tenants, particularly commercial tenants, expect a much higher level of service than residential tenants. Right. And so we're also going to talk about insurance, very, very important, and managing for cash flow and, and forecasting for cash flow. And also how to clear out the tenants that are maybe less than ideal. Um, it's something that maybe, you know, we don't talk a lot about on this show, but that is the other side of, of being a real estate developer and investor is uh, tenant management. 
So, right. so that, that's pretty much it in the seven weeks. We kind of you know blew through the um, the agenda, but it is it is very robust. Um, we are accepting applications up until February 9th. So I will provide a link um, on the podcast page for this program where people can click and they can go directly to the application form. If you're interested, please, please get your application in. And um, I think we'll be making decisions definitely before the end of February because we want people to uh, clear their calendar. That's another thing, too. If you apply for the program, please, please, please be in a position where you know that you'll be able to make all seven weeks. Um, We're working really, really hard to get a very robust uh, slate of speakers. And um, this is a selective program, so we really want to make sure that everybody who signs up is going to be able to make all seven sessions because every week it's going to be different content. So if you miss one week, you're going to miss a lot. And people should know when filling out their application that this is a competitive process, unlike Jumpstart Germantown, where eventually we will accept everybody who has applied to the program. This is going to be a a competitive process. Uh, It's going to be up to Alina. I'm just going to say that because (laughs) people have been coming. Well, people have been. People have been coming up to me and saying, "Oh, Ken, can I put in a word? Can I put in a word? I would like to be." You know, it's like, "It's like, no, you're going to talk to Elena." So, just to be clear, okay, for the okay. radio audience, okay, just okay. This is news to me, but uh, no, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. So, so Ken, how will you? Um, well, what will? What do we anticipate people will be equipped to do once they complete the training? Because this really is an introduction to the world of commercial real estate, but the fact that the profile of the participant will be an experienced operator on some level with, with uh, residential, what are, we, what, are we, what are we saying participants will be equipped to do once they complete the training? They'll be ready to go okay. um, with mixed use, with smaller commercial, uh, potentially partner with other developers on larger commercial, but they'll be ready to go. Okay. And right now... Will we have mentoring as part of the aspect of the of the model, or that's still kind of fluid? I think we need to put that together. We need to put that together. Okay, okay. <laughs> and in terms of the people, think we have all the answers. No, no. But... <laughs> yeah, we, we, we started. We started this. We, yeah, we started this train moving, and um, you know, definitely a lot to look forward to. No, there's a lot of experienced commercial developers out there that I think would be happy to take on a couple mentors uh, in this program. Okay. So with regards to um, to Wayne Junction, can you give us kind of an update on how things are going? Because when you were here about six or seven months ago, a lot was happening and a few things were on the verge of opening, such as like Attic Brewing. Yeah. Very yeah, exciting. Yeah. So can you give us an update on how the Wayne Junction project is going? And I know it's other developers as well working there. Right. But overall. What- so drum roll, please. Thank you. Um, so phase one is done. Yay! Yeah. We have a whole bunch of new uses and tenants. We have renovated the Wayne Junction campus at 4811 Germantown Avenue. We renovated the former Schaefer School at 4701 Germantown, which is now our offices and Jumpstart Germantown co-working space and event space. Uh, We have now renovated 4530 Germantown Avenue, which is now Philadelphia Woodworking, Philly Bread, um, we actually are looking for a new user for 13,000 square feet in the rear. 
Um, we finished the Blatzel Pencil Factory at 137 Berkeley Street, and, and that's Forefront, which is a SEO optimization company, uh, Attic Brewing and Deeks Barbecue. Um, so phase one is done. Now we're moving into phase two, uh, which will get going in about two months with uh, the groundbreaking at 212 Roberts, which is going to be 32 apartments. Uh, we just got the financing on that. Uh, building permits are on their way. Uh, 113 Berkeley Street, which is the former uh, drug rehab center that we're going to be making into 12,000 square feet of uh, office space. And people will see next week uh, some selective demo on the site so that we can go back to the original building. We have 4555 Germantown Avenue, which is a storefront. Uh, just got pricing from contractors on that uh, because my in-house crew is is too busy at is the that, moment at to Max, do it. Right? No, that's uh, it's a smaller. It's a former church building okay. on uh, near uh, Berkeley and Germantown, so that'll get going. And then phase three, uh, you know, which we're working on right now would be some new construction at 133 Berkeley Street uh, at 4530 Wayne Avenue and 4518 Wayne Avenue. So there's a lot of activity there. Are you going to get your own zip code? (laughs) (laughs) That's a great idea. I love that. (laughs) But definitely, I mean, there's this critical mass that's building there. That's the the idea. A a, a business district. That's right. That's, That's the idea is we're taking all these formerly vacant properties and making something great out of it so that people think about the Wayne Junction area in terms of a place to live, work, and have great beer and barbecue. That's great. That's great. Live, work, play. Um, any other projects on the horizon uh, for 2020 for, for Philly Office Retail? Did you want to talk about Shelton Avenue or um, yeah, we're, or, we're or 7-Eleven Germantown? Uh, we're uh, working away at uh, uh, 2019. We purchased the Allen's department store, which was really exciting. And we're working away on renovating a couple of the storefronts that have gone vacant there and just put in some people might have noticed we just put in new windows on Green Street, which is exciting. Um, we just started uh, last month, uh, renovations of the f- former Cunningham Piano Showroom Factory at 5423 Germantown. It's going to be two storefronts and 18 apartments. That'll be roughly a one-year construction project. And this spring, we'll be finishing up the 19 condominiums for sale at 7111 Germantown Avenue, which is the former Mannery Presbyterian Church. And we already, as of last night, have seven of the 19 reserved. Um, and they just went on sale last week. So we're wow. really excited about that. That's incredible. Yes. That's really incredible. So, Ken, a lot on your plate uh, this year uh, in 2020. Any one particular thing that you're you're most excited about or jazzed about looking ahead to the rest of the year? There's so much to choose from. Oh, man. <laughs> um, I'm a vacation? Re- <laughs> I, yeah, vacation, exactly. Um well, we're empty nesters this year, so Judy and I are doing a lot more traveling, which is really kind of cool because that's what we all work towards, right? Um, I'm really excited uh, to see Wayne Junction, Wayne Junction up and going, and it's so exciting to go into Attic or Deeks right now and see the room full and people responding and excited and you know sharing our excitement. Um, so that's pretty cool. 
Um, and then uh, after that, I think it's really jumpstart. I, I'm so excited and so jazzed like where this has gone. Uh, we are now doing loans citywide with the Jumpstart Philly program, uh, thanks to $3 million from the reinvestment fund. We have another CDFI that is uh, has just stepped up and and about to agree to give us another $3 million so that we can expand it even further into other neighborhoods. Um, so, And then this Jumpstart 2.0 program is is taking training of real estate developers to another level. To another level. To infinity and beyond. <laughs> well, this has been great. Well, Ken, thank you so much for, for your time and for coming in and helping me make this announcement to our, our listeners. And folks, again, if you want to apply for the program or want to get more information about Jumpstart 2.0, please go to jumpstartphilly.com. And um, if you click on Jumpstart Training, you will see more details about the program and how to apply. Like I said, get your application in uh, by February 9th, and um, we'll be making decisions uh, in February and then launching the program in the middle of March. Ken, do you think we'll run this more than once a year, or it's too soon to say? Oh, I would love to see this a couple times a year, but that's up to you. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Well, we'll have to see how the first one goes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's good to start small, and which is what we did with Jumpstart. We started with 10 people in our boardroom, and now we're uh, graduating 65 people at a time. That's great. Okay, folks. Well, you've been listening to Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show. Thanks a lot for listening. And again, uh, check out jumpstartphilly.com to get more details. And I will see you again next week. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>